Hello everyone and welcome to episode 51 of Everybody Hates Your Brand, the podcast for all things marketing. And in this first episode of 2024, I'm going to talk about why targeting Gen Z is really lazy marketing. If you were to believe the depiction of Gen Z or millennials before them in the media, you would assume they're some undiscovered new species, wildly different from the rest of society. Headlines abound about their views on work, environmentalism, alcohol, politics and more. They're called snowflakes and accused of being soft. They're portrayed as other compared to what is the historical norm. This opinion is especially apparent within the marketing discipline. Brands create new products and services specifically targeting these groups. Marketers spend hours thinking about how to target them in the pursuit of youth and quote-unquote coolness. And agencies actually employ Gen Z consultants to help get into young people's minds. But in reality, this is, to put it kindly, idiotic. And there are two reasons why. The first is that younger generations haven't got any money. They're less likely to have disposable income relative to older generations. And given the role of marketing is to generate incremental sales, that's a pretty big miss and probably worthy of its own podcast as a discussion. But for expediency, I'll quote something from a column by a chap called Alex Murrell. The over 50 spending is so high, in fact, that they account for the majority of value in many categories. Campaign fan, they make up 60% of all car sales. Lonely Planet came in account for 58% of spending in travel and tourism. Barclays believe they're responsible for 58% of hospitality and leisure sales. Kantar found they account for 50% of health and beauty value sales. And Nielsen report they make up 49% of all FMCG sales. To put it bluntly, the over 50s are the most valuable generation in the history of marketing. And yet they are ignored by almost all advertising. That comes from a fascinating article called The uh, Ageism in Advertising, and you can read that in the in the show notes. The second reason is the one I wanted to focus on today. The idea that Gen Z is not a real marketing segment. Using generations as segments presumes that everyone within that generation is the same as the others, yet somehow wildly different from all the other generations. In essence, they treat a generation like a marketing segment, and they really really aren't. There's value in segmentation. The idea of chopping up your customer base or the market in which your brand operates into segments can be for a couple of reasons. At a marketing strategy level, segmentation is part of developing a diagnosis of your market. To quote Professor Mark Ritson, one of the great errors of marketing segmentation is thinking that this step is somehow about you or your company. The clue is in the name, market segmentation. It has nothing to do with your organisation and everything to do with the market. That means, in theory at least, your competitors could build exactly the same segmentation as you. Segmentation is not strategy. It is a map of the market and therefore part of the diagnosis. At a more tactical CRM level, segmentation is about your own customers and their interaction with you. Whether you're looking at their value, their habits and tastes, their product holdings or more, the idea is to build a map of your customer base. In each case, though, The point of segmentation remains the same, to target your efforts and your finite marketing budget towards those segments you deem most appropriate for your strategy. And just as importantly, those that you are choosing not to focus on. So, if we're going to talk about treating a generation as a segment, we need to explain what makes a segment a real segment. 
A simple definition is a group of people who all have at least one common trait. And against that definition, you could describe Gen Z and millennials as a segment, but it's not that simple. In order for a segment to be useful, it needs to satisfy a few criteria. First, it needs to be homogenous within itself, i.e. the people within a segment need to have key similarities. Second, it needs to be heterogeneous from the other segments, i.e. each segment must be different from the others. It needs to be big enough to be useful. There's a limited use of a segment of 10 people. It becomes uneconomic to alter your marketing mix for a group that small. But point four, it also needs to be small enough to be actionable so that it meets points one and two. The bigger the segments, the less homogenous and heterogeneous between each other they become. And finally, they need to be relevant to the brand or objective you're working on. Building a segment around customers' taste in fashion is useless to a brand in the DIY sector. Let me give an example of this in practice. Back in my distant past at Game, the UK-based video game retailer, we built a segmentation based on the genres of games that people bought. Lads League were into sports and driving games. Elite gamers were into first-person shooters and action games. And it was fantasy and strategy role-playing games for our fantasy fanatics. There were seven segments in total, and we had a lot of fun naming them. Each group was distinct from the others, their behaviours tracked were clearly relevant to selling video games, and each group was big enough to be valuable but small enough to re retain their homogeneity and distinctive character. We used them to target CRM comms for new product releases. They were invaluable in explaining the changing face of who, who is buying games to video game publishers. They allowed us to make choices on who we would and wouldn't focus on throughout the year. In short, they were proper segments. Gen Z or any other generational group, are not homogenous in their attitudes and behaviours. And in lots of ways, they really aren't that different from everyone else. If you think about date range definitions of generational segments, this really starts to come through. Taking millennials as an example, are we truly to believe that a person born in 1980, who is at the time of writing 43, is the same as someone born in 1995, who is 28? Of course not. Even the people within those generations don't feel their generation is a huge part of their identity. According to Ipsos, what cannot be assumed is that consumers themselves identify as a member of their cohort or share the characteristics ascribed to each. Baby boomers will have the greatest sense of being part of a wider cohort of people, but are unlikely to see this as a key part of their identity. And among young groups, an approach based on exciting general ident generational identity will resonate with only a subsection of the overall target. So given all that, the question is, why on earth do marketers use them as a segment to be targeted? Well, I think you can put that down to two things. The first is marketers' penchant for focusing on youth, which we have already touched on. And secondly, flaws in research methodology. A lot of research considers generations in isolation, and this leads to outlandish claims that lack context. I really like the way Ipsos considers three lenses when looking at generational behavioural claims. The first is what they call life cycle effects. The idea that people's attitudes change as they age, driven by life stages or events. I'm a bit of a history buff, which, by the way, that is early onset Republican. That's very... <laughs> It's a very serious warning sign. If you're a white dude in your 20s and 30s and you're like, I can't stop reading about World War II, it's coming, bro. You might, you might not be Republican right now. You might be young and cool and liberal. You probably think you're safe, dude. You're not. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes, you think your dad wanted to be Republican? You think, he, you think he got out of high school and he was like, all right, now it's time to be a prick about everything. 
no, dude, it takes time. The second is period effects. Attitudes of all cohorts change in a similar way over the same period of time. And the last is cohort effect. A cohort effect is where a, uh, a cohort has a different view and those stay different over time. Let's take each one of those in turn. Well, life cycle effects. Younger generations have always been vilified by older generations. They've always been seen as different and looked at disparagingly. Indeed, Plato is quoted as saying, what is happening to our young people? They disrespect their elders. They disobey their parents. In practice, this means where data allows, we should be comparing millennial and Gen Z attitudes and behaviours to previous generations when they were the same age. That's not always possible, but it should always be considered when making conclusions. For example, millennials' turnout at the general elections in the UK isn't really worse than Gen X when they were a similar age. Looking at period effects next. Society is changing as a whole. There are changes in attitudes and behaviours that manifest across large swathes of society. For example, a much tighter theory about Gen Z is that they're more uniquely focused on environmentalism. Not so, according to Ipsos. To quote them, However, in one area where there is a lot of coverage, environmentalism, we find no evidence that Generation Z hold unique views, especially for millennials. Society overall has become more likely to care about the environment, and few people of any age do not agree that it is a worry. Any study or survey that looks at gener generations in isolation is going to attribute those changes just to that group specifically, and is to be looked at with a sceptical eye. The last one, true variations between generations, are few and far between. But there are, without doubt, some things that are impacting Gen Z disproportionately. Most of them relate to the worst financial context they find themselves relative to Gen X and boomers at the same age. Research uh, on the US and Southern Europe from the World Economic Forum Center for New Economy and Society shows that younger generations are much less likely to own a home than previous generations were at the same age, for example. But these aren't attitudinal changes. They'd like to own a house, according to researcher, researcher Gonzalo Paspardo, senior economist at the European Central Banks, but they can't afford to. There's also evidence that in general, Gen Z are more liberal and less bound by traditions. They have significantly different views on crime and punishment, for example. But in general, there are few things that mark them out as truly unique that can't be attributed to period or life cycle effects. If they were truly unique, then there will be a lot more attitudes and behaviours that could be attributed to cohort effects, but they just don't show up. Now, the brain is described by Nobel Prize-winning psychologist Daniel Kahneman as a machine for jumping to conclusions. Our brains seek to avoid the cognitive strain that comes from rational thought. Essentially, we prefer not to consciously think if we can avoid it, and we like stories that, are, that make sense, even if they aren't true. Plausible is better than true in lots of cases in terms of the way our brains work. Creating a stereotype for Gen Z or millennials or even boomers gives us an easy answer to attitudes and events in our society and validation of ourselves and our thoughts. It is true that Gen Z have some tendencies that make them different based on the environment in which they grew up, but it is not true to say they are all the same and certainly not that they're completely different to the rest of society. There are way more commonalities than differences. As marketers, we need to look beyond something so overly simplistic like age as a targeting variable. Instead, you should consider the strategic objective the segmentation is supporting. What is the right targeting for that? Not what is easy to write on the brief. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, first episode of 2024, a short one, um, but an interesting topic and I think something that has uh, annoyed me. I probably should have made it a Marketing 101 episode, but there you go. Um, looking forward to more episodes in 2024, hopefully some more fun interviews and some more deep dives and some interesting topics and brands. So please keep your ears out. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, as my mum always says, take great, great care and be vigilant out there.